0: I am unashamed, what about you?
1: Well, once again, I am. Uh, we're rolling from Austin, Texas. I've got Jeppy Coe here with me uh, for a second podcast, which is super exciting because we don't get to see Jeff that much uh, anymore since he's down here. I'm in town because I'm speaking uh, at a, an event down here, so got to tag in with Jeff. We got Zach coming in from uh, Black Mountain, which is always a blessing. I do want to thank Jeff. Um, mike brock who helped set up i'm at the uh central baptist church is where jeff and i are in round rock and pastor jim allowed us to use one of their rooms in here so i just want to thank those guys for allowing us to be able to do that i want to mention uh, before we get into the podcast uh, that you can pre-order uncancel dad's new book that is really really good zach would you confer excellent book great, Uh, great book you can pre-order it on Amazon.com, and pre-order helps us because it moves the status of the book up. So we want to be able to do that. They're also are offering a couple of things that uh, that will end today on Friday. So you want to check it out if, uh, and do it quickly. You can get Theft of America's Soul on Kindle for two ninety nine, or you can get $5 off theft uh, in the audiobook. So they're still offering that if you go ahead and sign up this week. Uh, because like I said, it helps us. So check it out. So I I wanted to, we mentioned on the last podcast that dad uh, preached at WFR uh, and did great. And by the way, you can check it out, wfrchurch.org. If you haven't seen it yet, it's really good. He, you know, I'd kind of set it up in the text because I I preached a couple of weeks before dad, and, and then I'll preach this week as well after. And, you know, that text in Matthew 16 was just perfect for I knew Dad would knock it out of the park, which he did. But w- something else happened, Dad, which I, I didn't know about this. This was something you and Zach had, had done because I wasn't there. But uh, what happened after the sermon uh, when you were at WFR? Because I hear there was, there was that wasn't the end of the story.
2: Oh, I'd, I'd like to know because when the heads went down, I went out.
1: Yeah. <laughs> which is a classic Jay's move, by the way.
3: <laughs>
0: well, so, well, we'll know what we're talking about. What's the name of the author of the book?
3: it's it's, yeah, a beard, it is? it's a beard ballad harold harold cronk uh cronk. who was the director of god's not dead wrote the children's book and then phil wrote the forward for it so we had set them. up this deal where phil's was going to read the book to some kids so that we could get some video we'll show you guys the video so yeah I, I, how did it go phil
0: it went well i had one little girl uh when i talked about the uh uh, So you were
1: reading the book to kids, right? Is that the setup? And I was speaking
0: well and explaining to them, the little male (laughs) children, that there come a time when they will have whiskers like these if they desire to have those. (laughs) And I was beginning to talk to them about the protection aspect of whiskers. And I mentioned, you know, when you're duck hunting and deer hunting, you know, and uh, you'll be warm while you're in the deer stand. And one of the little girls, she said, "Oh, but I love animals. Surely you." You don't shoot animals. I said, Hey girl, I love animals too. Fried. <laughs> How old were these kids? She she fell back on her back and went to kicking her heels and I thought, Uh-oh. Well There's room for growth here. This
2: is the, I don't uh, do this very often, but the only the only scene I ever liked like just where I laughed really hard on our little duck show was when they had Cy go in there. And yeah. when y'all did the uh, class, you taught one group, the older kids, how to clean a duck.
0: In a high school, yeah. And
2: uh, and they pretty well just said, go in there and do it, and we'll film it. Yeah. And they told side to tell stories. So sidewalks walks in there. Who knows what he's going <laughs> to say? He's like, you all ever heard of a place called NOM? <laughs> I mean, and they then had he, no he, idea that Simon's was fixed to go off on this. And then they're... Oh. So then
1: he proceeds to tell a story about a, a tiger there, <laughs> which he says rip the arm off of a soldier and so he's telling this classic side story and they're showing the picture of those kids faces and they're just like in horror
2: Yeah, and what's funny (laughs) is people I know people around the world thought oh they made all this stuff up I've heard that same story from Cy many times about the tiger Uh, dragging the
0: guy through the (laughs) woods I must admit that speaking to 8 and 9 year old children about whiskers uh is humbling is but it was a it's a great little book about fatherhood and Mm -hmm. direction and with whiskers it should be with whiskers comes age and that also comes parenting being a model for your children and i was trying to get that across you know when the little girl got disturbed because she said "I, i think he's talking about killing animals and all of a sudden, the old gray beard, I was the tyrant, you know. Yeah. But uh, I explained to her. I'm surprised you didn't go to Genesis 9
2: on that. Yeah, well. Birthplace of Yeah, you
0: know, She was young, and I just, I just yeah. you know, she was kind of kicking around. Beautiful little girl. So I thought it pretty funny myself, you know, how how young girls <laughs> in this age. When's the last time I've ever talked to a group of little children? It's been a while. Yeah. But it's biblical, so yeah, oh, it's biblical. Good yeah,
1: one. we use we usually shield you from those kind of environments. Um, but it's interesting because the I'm wondering how there's a little girl in West Monroe, Louisiana, attending WFR Church that is is you know some of her family's not killing animals because everybody I know around there is heavy into deer surprised.
0: hunting, squirrel hunting. I was yeah. surprised. but Zach surprise asked me, me. to the, uh, the, who who wrote that book? Gronk,
2: Kronk, Harold Kronk.
0: Crunk. crunk but it's it's yeah. a crunk? It's a wonderful little book crunk. about raising children How do you and spell fathers. The guy's name?
2: We, 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 we I, I, all I'm hearing is Croc, <laughs> like a C R O N K, like Gronk, like right. Gronkowski. It's but a beautiful crunk.
0: little story about fatherhood, which we need more of. By the way, he's addressing an issue that needs to be addressed when it comes to fathers, you know, males, patriarchs. So I would just telling the little children that, you know, and some of them got to squirming a little bit there, you know, but overall I thought the little boys, they were, they were just astonished that one day if they desired, they'll have hair coming out of their face. And it's a symbol of a lot of things. Age is one and wisdom is number two. So I was just trying to get that in their little heads. And, uh, but I thought it went well.
3: Yeah. That's why we got, I mean, really the, what, spoke to me about the book is, I mean, we're at a place now where you guys know this. I mean, there is an all out assault on fatherhood, uh, just masculinity in general. And so I love this book because it's just a kind of a whimsical way of kids. You know, it's, it's a story about a kid who's identifying with his father. He's watching his dad grow a beard that he's like, I want to grow a beard. So they grow one together. They're chopping wood. They're doing, you know, wearing flannel shirts. It's yep it's 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 a it's a it's a simple book but i think we need more of it it's yeah i'm, I'm glad you did that phil i appreciate yep. you doing well, that
0: one of the aspects of of uh sharing jesus with people is getting people to understand the method that god used to show the apostle peter there would no longer be any food laws that was under the law of moses certain things you could not eat but when jesus showed up and grace full of grace and truth uh the Apostle Paul, in about Acts chapter 10, Peter's up on the roof. He sees this vision. It looks like a giant sheet being let down by its four corners. The sheet contained all kinds of four-footed animals. I just brought the thing about hunters because Peter Peter recorded and that he saw and he heard God say, Arise, uh, kill and eat four footed animals, birds of the earth, reptiles of the ground. So all no more food laws. And uh the little one of the little eight year olds was having trouble with that, but she had yeah. never heard that.
2: Well, she needed. Ears.
0: So that's yeah. one that's one case for fathers. A father should teach their children that. It, it's You'd be proud of
4: River, you know, he's going through puberty right now and he's got a I mean, a nice mustache. I was like, buddy. You keep letting that go, you're going to look like Tom Selleck. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's
1: it. Which Rivers, Rivers, so little, it's hard for me to imagine him going through puberty. But you know, Jeff, I was thinking about that because you and Jay's are into treasure hunting, but, and I may be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you get into treasure hunting really just to do it something with him because he kind of got into it too? Or did he do it later?
4: Yeah, I mean, y'all I mean, do that together. Right? Yeah, so when I went with Jace, you know, at their old house, like I, it, I got fired up about it when I told River about it. He was like, "You, because what kid doesn't want to go find treasure?"
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've wanted to do that my whole life. It sounds great, but Jout looked at, at a way to make a lot of money. Yeah, with <laughs> he was like, the, "I might find something really valuable and cash in." Oh, yeah. And I'm well, going mean, to get my, you know, let's hunt together, you know. <laughs> well, I've mentioned
1: before, I've mentioned before on the podcast that when I saw Jeff digging through my change tray in my truck, I said, yeah. Jeff, what are you doing? He said, just looking for coins, valuable coins. You never know where they may be hanging out. Yeah. I was like, I, this is low hanging fruit here at Al's truck. That's where I that's was right. coming yeah, from. Jeff
0: raced to, to see me because he said, Dad, do you know of any place around here where I may look for coinage and maybe yeah. find some? I said, "There's a mailbox down there that my mother stuck up down there." And she said, "You need to charge people when they drive down here on the river a buck. Charge them a dollar to launch their boat mm-hmm. because it, the launches are not many on the river." So I said, "Where that mailbox is, yep, money used to go into that box." I said I figured there's a few coins dropped. Well, he said, "Where is it? Where was it?" So I went down there. The mailbox is no longer there, but I knew where it was. Yeah. I said the mailbox was right here. So look in here. Well, about an hour later, he comes running down up to me. He said, "You're not going to believe what I found. Gold coin Oh, look! No, he just had handfuls of coins that dated way back for 20 years." So yeah. there were just quarters and 50-cent pieces and dimes. And, and yeah. he said, boy, I've hit the jackpot. So he's been a treasure <laughs> hunter ever since. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah, good night. And then he split it with you because it's your He land. didn't give me a dime. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> hey, I work. Finders for Finders, <laughs> keepers, losers, reapers.
2: You're supposed to it was split dollars. with the landowner is kind of the general rule. You split the proceeds because he might want to come back. It was amazing
0: yeah. how much coinage <laughs> that the, the 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 boat launchers had dropped in twenty yeah. years, twenty five years. It oh. was amazing how much money was under the earth. I was really surprised. Now
4: the coolest thing the coolest thing I found was a little like placard that goes on like a desk that said James Robertson, which I don't know if he ever had a job. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you know, it's like something you'd yeah. go into an office and see your name. Really? Yeah, I found that.
1: Yeah. Well you know. Well, you know it's one of my one of my earliest memories, Dad, when we were living in Junction City and you were teaching and coaching and I had started to school at like four years old, cause I think it was just glorified daycare because mom was the secretary for the se- uh, superintendent and I probably wasn't supposed to be in, I mean, it was not even kindergarten, it was like first grade, so I was like super young, but you would walk me to school every day, I would walk with you and then you would drop me off at my classroom and you'd go on and do your stuff. And so walking along that road there in Junction City because we lived right next to the school campus we started we found some money one time we were started looking and somebody had dropped some coins and we found it, and then every day we would stop and kind of spread out our search pattern, and we wound up finding quite a bit of money right there on that school campus. And I i mean, I'm four years old, so that was 52 years ago. I still remember it, and we did that together. So I guess in a sense, Dad was doing treasure hunting, Jace, back in the day before you were even born. you
2: got to remember, if this wasn't cool, if this wasn't cool, there's no way, and we're in Matthew 17 today, but in Matthew At the end of Matthew 17, we have a situation over taxes come up and Jesus, of all things that he could have chosen to make an illustration, he tells Peter to go catch a fish and look in his mouth and there'll be a couple of coins and you go pay the taxes that we owe from that fish's mouth. So I took that to mean Finding lost coins are cool, number one. Or if, if it wasn't, he wouldn't have sent him to do that process. And number two, he knows where all the good stuff is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, it could have been a miracle. He could have put the coins in there, or he could have known that that fish swallowed the coins. I mean, I don't know what your take on that is.
1: That's what I mean, I, that's what gets me. There's so many levels of that miracle that are amazing. Let's take our first break. One of the things I didn't know until Good Ranchers became one of our sponsors is that about 80% of the meat uh, that we eat in America comes from other countries. I did not realize that. And uh, the problem with that is it's cost a lot of American jobs. Uh, over 100,000 independent farms and ranchers have gone out of business since 2015. And Good Ranchers, they're kinda, their claim to fame is that they want to keep American farms busy uh, and, and producing for American families. So we like these guys. It's kind of an America first agenda. So we want you to check these guys out and support them. You go to GoodRanchers.com slash Phil and you'll get 10 free bistro filet medallions. And I do love my filet medallions with your order. Or even better, you can subscribe, and you will also save $25 off each box of their meats for life. So when you subscribe, you save this money, makes it cheaper. Your monthly subscription box will show up on schedule right at your door. So you get 10 free bistro medallions, that's $100 value, and free express shipping if you go to GoodRanchers.com slash or use the code Phil at checkout. So that's GoodRanchers.com slash or use the code fill at checkout.
3: I ran up, yeah. I ran up on an interesting thing. I went duck hunting up in Nebraska. Uh, I sent Phil some videos of the, the forty thousand mallards that were sitting on this guy's place. But um, so he's taking us around, showing us his place up here in, the, in Nebraska. And there's a, there are two boulders that were stuck in the ground, and a spring was emerging from the boulders, and it went and created this little stream river that went down into the bigger river. Um, and, um, so apparently where this was at was a famous spring where the Mormon trail came through. And, um, one of the guys that were with us, he, when we got up there, he got, got out of the back of the gator, pulls out a, uh, a metal detector and start, and he started finding stuff. I said, man, if Jason, Jason, Jet would love to yeah, see this. Appreciate place. the Maybe.
2: call on that. <laughs> well, uh, we're <laughs> duck hunting and we're metal detecting. How many ducks did y'all actually shoot? Huh? Uh, we didn't
3: do too well in the shoot. Um, it, the weather was just, it was probably 75 oh, degrees.
2: Zach, let's, let's analyze this. You said that this guy <laughs> had 40,000 ducks on his place. You went and saw them. Then y'all went and hunted them, but then you didn't do no, very he, he
3: hunt. He has a, he has a sanctuary of about 500 uh-huh. acres where he doesn't hunt and that's where they were. Mm-hmm. So then he has flooded corn where we hunted, which. So, you know, sounds so it was, like uh, we
2: have a failure to execute the plan.
3: <laughs> I did. Okay.
0: Okay. Zach said they expected too much of him. Once he said, I'm, I'm the nephew of Phil Robertson, the yeah. duck call builder. So they said, whoa, but then they were let down by saying, yeah, well, it happens. <laughs> no, they, and, well, they said, uh, we're gonna let you
3: shoot the first duck since you're the, the duck commander's uh, nephew. So you better yeah. not miss because all the expectations are riding on you
0: well, did you did rise to the challenge
3: oh yeah i hit it i hit i hit the first four ducks that came in and they were all singles we didn't hit it we didn't have any big groups work which is
2: you know but it was it was fun to see you would have loved it so you went four you went four for your first four i went four for four
3: really so not mad because i hadn't duck hunted in a year so i hadn't even shot my shotgun in a yeah. year
0: well that that sounds like you're, you exceeded the expectations. We're two weeks out oh, on our duck season, and we'll hope that some of those mallards in Nebraska will move on further south.
2: I like how you're looking. I like how Dad's yeah. looking his wrist. Like I've ever, <laughs> I've like... wanted a watch before. Missy was giving me a hard time because she's like, why would you say she had listened to one of the earlier podcasts? She's like, why are you driving around town looking for a bank to see what time it is? Why didn't you just look at at your watch? I said, babe, Watches were frowned upon in my upbringing, <laughs> even though my dad looks at his wrist at least once a day and makes some kind of time reference. He actually has an <laughs> own one, and he, it's kind of like I am about headboards. You know, you shouldn't own a headboard. It's a waste of time. But what's
1: interesting is, Jason, on that one, he looked at the watch. I mean, he held it up, but he was talking about a calendar. Because yeah. he was talking about November. I mean, you weren't even talking about time, Dad. You were talking about calendar dates, but you were looking at your wrist. And one of the one of the,
2: the
0: arguments. I consider watches to be clutter, too much clutter. But here's the problem with that, Phil. One
2: of your arguments. The Internet, you use, too
0: much clutter. You use more than any <laughs> other pieces, argument. Time no. pieces, Phil, too
2: much clutter. One of your arguments you use more than any other is that we count time by Jesus. And I'm like, well, you don't. Because you, you don't you don't like any clocks. You're not counting any kind of time. But a calendar that comes
0: my way from time to time, I look at that top date, and I say, "What? How many years since Jesus got two thousand and twenty-one years? Since yeah. that, that's all the time I need to know, right there." Okay.
1: So, Jay's what? Is, what is the most oft asked question by Dad in a duck line every single day? What is it? What time is it? What time? What time? Right, what time exactly, boys. Right now, exactly. What time is it? Seven thirty. Okay. Yep. Because yeah. mid
0: morning be is usually <laughs> when the mallards fuck come in. Mid morning. No, so not, not mid
2: morning. <laughs> ten to ten fifteen. Ten to ten fifteen. Everybody, hush up! Hush up! Hush up!
1: <laughs> Y'all are talking too this loud. This is a
2: prime time. I'm like, what? What time? It. It. From ten to ten fifteen. Everyone must be silent have their hands on their gun in the ready position because this is called prime time.
0: Well, well said. Everybody has a computer but me. Fine. I can live with it. Everybody has a watch but me. Yes, we do. I can live with it, but I'm not going to partake of either one of those endeavors. Yeah.
1: So, so, Jeff, I have to mention, Jace mentioned the story for Missy about the bank. So, last week on the podcast, he remembers the number where you used to call in and get the time from the bank. You remember, like, back yeah, in the old days? I remember doing that. He remembered the number. And so, crazy. and he hasn't called it in 15 or 20 years, I guess. Yeah, at I least. Haven't. Yeah. And so, so we, so he goes and gets his phone and we call it and yeah. you still, it's still a bank and you still get the telly. Right. Yeah. Do you know After that, hey, do you
2: know this, that they called me back? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to see what y'all said.
1: <laughs> they wanted me to take out my own. <laughs> um. We were laughing about that the other day because days. I mean, he can't even remember what day it is. But he remembered that number. No, I said, look,
2: look, that phone hasn't rung in years, decades and they still that. It just shows you about life, though, how people won't change to fit the modern times. They still had that. You know, I'm the first person (laughs) called that in a decade. Ain't nobody using (laughs) that number. Everybody knows what time it is now. They still
1: there's probably some little old guy living out in the middle of nowhere, some little old lady that still calls it. That's still living in the living in the past i Out, mean that's why i the have found it.
0: In the middle of nowhere you don't care what time it is i have found <laughs> unless you're dad i have found that without a timepiece as in watch or computer without that if you don't have that i have found that life is less stressful in my opinion if you don't have a timepiece or a computer life is less stressful that's good that's, analysis. That's There's just, no doubt. That's my logic.
1: That's true. That is true. And that's why when people like Zach loves to camp and like they, his whole family, they take off and, and he unplugs. Like I can't get him for you know a while because he goes places where the phone won't work. But that's about what it takes, isn't it, Zach, to just really kind of unplug from the world there just to be go. with your family or, yeah. or whatever. There you
3: go. I think it's healthy. I think it's healthy. Yeah, it's not it, – when well, we talked about this uh, last week about Facebook's metaverse – I don't think it's healthy to be constantly plugged in. Everybody has access to you. Yeah, it, it, it's. I think that's probably honestly Phil, why you're so
0: affected. The rock you, you band, really... the rock band Chicago, had it right. Does anyone <laughs> really know what time it is? <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: they do. <did. laughs> Without time,
0: well, that's pretty good, Dad. That was good. You could be a singer.
2: You could be a. Can we read this Matthew singer. seventeen? Because I'm itching to get into this. Get out. Let's you, do it, James. You lead us into. Look, it. it. I mean, all of a sudden, which this bothers me about the religious world, because I'm transparent when there's when they do things I don't like, I say it. They get to chapter 17 and a lot of people are like they don't know what to make of this on why this is even in here or what does it mean but i'm like jesus has spent the first 16 chapters proving who he is and now what he's going to do about it and he he lays out his plan that he's going to have to die and he rebukes peter because peter didn't get get that and then all of a sudden i would think this represents a prelude to the resurrection, to the power that he possesses. And maybe this is the answer to the shadow of what happened with Moses and in the, in the giving of the law, because there's a lot of similarities on what happened at Mount Sinai with Moses and this. When you read Exodus, you, you'll make that... Transition. I would would
1: add, Jason. I would add, it's both. It's both the law. It's a culmination of the law of which he said he was the fulfillment, Mm -hmm. and it's a culmination of prophecy because he said he also fulfilled all prophecy. So I think that's why God chose to send uh, Moses and Elijah into this moment, send them forward uh, into this moment, or back, depending on your. Plus, Jason,
0: just one comment. Uh, I think it worthy of note and I mentioned it yesterday in the sermon I gave, is that the atheists will say to us, y'all, y'all believe in the miraculous, the supernatural, and we don't. Mm-hmm. But then they say, nothing exploded, and there's the cosmos, which, which, which would be a miracle of gigantic proportions, and out of that explosion came salt water, and that's where what made humanity Mm -hmm. is the slime left over from the salt water that came from the explosion. It was a good point. That would be miraculous. Which would be a miracle. (laughs) It would be a miracle. So they believe in miracles, but they say, we're not going to follow Jesus because y'all believe in the supernatural. I've said that too, even about, you know, think about a watermelon plant
2: coming out of the ground after water hit the dirt and a seed is there and then, all this this green vine starts crawling well this is borderline miraculous here Uh, yeah cuz if you if you looked into the seed before it was planted you wouldn't see that green vine at all it's not there
0: An uh, acorn about the size of Same a concept. little bitty yeah little bitty acorn and it turns into a gigantic bull oak tree that will stop a vehicle at 80 miles an hour there yeah. boom and, and they, they say, "Yeah, that we believe that."
1: So that's uh, that's back what that's back what we talked about in the last podcast about revelation because that's the revelation of what's created from
0: Romans yeah, one. It's not a natural process; it's a supernatural process, it, in my it, opinion. It is. Mm-hmm. Let's take a break.
1: So we're all blessed to be homeowners, uh, all of us here on Unashamed Podcast, which is a great blessing. Uh, you know, you never want to just immediately not appreciate the, the blessings that we get. One of the things that's unfortunate uh, because every, with every good blessing sometimes comes a curse. And if you own a home, there are people out there that want to steal the title to your home. And so we have one of our sponsors, Home Title Lock that's going to help you uh, avoid this fraud. Cyber thieves, they go into, as dad calls it, computer land. They steal your uh, title. They say you sold it to them. They own it, they take all your equity, they spend it on whatever they want to, and they leave you holding the bag. It's unfortunate, but it happens to a lot of people, and we don't want it to happen to you. Home Title Lock puts a virtual barrier around your home's title. So check these guys out. Go to hometitlelot.com. You're going to register your address. You're going to make sure that you still own your home. Then you're going to enter the code RADIO, and you're going to get 30 free days of protection. So that's home.tidelock.com. Use the code radio, 30 days of free protection. Check them out and make sure you're secure. Uh, I asked Jeff before you read this text, Jace, I asked Jep to look up the word transfigured just in our language to understand what it means because that's a word you don't see really anywhere else I've in the Bible except here. I've got a good guess. I've
4: got a guess.
1: All right, give us your guess, then he'll read it. Metamorphosis.
4: It is to transform into something more beautiful or elevated. And it had an example where it. it says the world is made luminous and is transfigured. Oh. Hmm.
2: So let me say this. Okay. In a world where we're pursuing the metaverse and the meta what's the other meta? What's the new meta? What's the new Facebook? Oh is that meta Musil? It's just meta. <laughs> uh, it's just meta. You know,
3: we got the meta metaverse well, is how, the how about the world but they, the, the, you'll live in virtually, but the company's name is Meta.
2: How about a reading written 2,000 years ago, roughly, of a, an individual claiming to be God who undergoes a metamorphosis? Instantaneously. I mean, now this is riveting. See, this is what they're pursuing. So that's why they say, look, we're going to be meta. Well, until I see something like this, Because this gets my attention. Having a social network where we're fixed to get into the meta does not interest (laughs) me. Because
1: Unless you're an android. Unless you're an android named Zuckerberg, this would not interest
2: me. There he was transfigured. He goes to High Mountain, and there he is transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. I'm not real sure what that means, but Revelation, the book of Revelation, has the same references referring to yep. the Son of Man slash Son of God. Just then, there appeared before them Moses, who, if you're not, if you're new to the faith, well, he he he's dead. He died and been that way a, a while. few Books ago. <laughs> Now there was a dispute between the about evil two thousand years. Yeah, about where the body of Moses was, because I believe Al, you'll probably know where this is. God buried him. It said God buried him. Yep. So, I'm not sure where that is. It's in. I think
1: it's in Numbers, the end of okay. Numbers or Deuteronomy. Yeah, but it was Mount Nebo, I think,
2: was the mountain. So now, but well. But you, so you have to go back and read. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, and you, and they're talking with Jesus. You remember what happened to Elijah? Now he didn't die, he just, he just pulled off the planet, he just levitated and left. So I just think in a flaming chariot. I I think it's interesting, and all the commentaries I read about this, and I read a lot. Nobody mentioned the significance that I read that these two men had circumstances out of the norm concerning their death. One of them, there's an argument about where the body is buried, and the other, he just, he didn't die. And now, thousands of years later, they're having a conversation with a radiating Jesus. On top of a hill. On top of a mountain in front of witnesses. Mm-hmm. and look this wasn't something that that was not for you know forgotten you remember in uh is that second Peter when Peter Peter addresses this scene later on when he writes his letter he brings it up I think it's we'll, we'll take a pause from Matthew and read what he said I love this in second Peter 116 Peter said we didn't follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because look, that is what the world says. They said, well, this is just some story that y'all made up and people wrote down. He said, we didn't follow that, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty for he received honor and glory from God, the father, when the voice came to him, we're fixed to read about that from the, majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. So if you go back to Matthew 17, he then describes, well, Peter in verse four says to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. (laughs) I mean, I, I think he was struggling with what to say. He should have just kept his mouth shut. <laughs> hey, hey, Jay, <laughs> Jay's <Jace, clears throat> let me mention two things before you
1: read the rest of that. Right. So it's Deuteronomy 34, for those that want to check it out, which is where it says Moses, he climbed Mount Nebo, and it says he died and God buried him. But no one knows where his grave is to this day. And then also in the book of Jude, we get a little insight that the – uh, Michael, the archangel, was was arguing with Satan over the body of Moses. So that's just a couple of hmm I, things that, say, that you mentioned earlier.
2: I'll say, Al, the significance of that goes back to this. The evil one held people in- enslaved through their fear of death. Hebrews 2, 14 through 16 talks about that. And when Jesus died and was raised, he freed us from that fear of death which goes in with the evil and being a murderer from the beginning. So when anyone dies, I think that's why he was interested in where that body is because to him, that ended that. that. That That's all of, well, he can't find the body. He's like, well, wait a minute here. What What's, I, 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 I yeah. believe that it's, uh, what's the word? I, I, I believe that it's, it makes sense for him to be having this argument about that cause since he's the one having the power over death.
1: I think you're. I think you're right. That was part of it, and I think that's also part of the power of this transfiguration. Is it shows the ability that Jesus has over the living and the dead. You know, to him, it's not that big a deal just to have them show up, even though you know they, they left the earth in mysterious circumstances too. Let's take another break, Jason.
2: So then Peter, uh, just bumbling, stumbling, fumbling. Says, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And I think this had to do something with the tabernacle laws, and he didn't know what to do. And he's like, Maybe maybe we should get you some shelter here. <laughs> and this is You know what you say?
1: You, you know what you, what the southern idiom for Peter is in this, Jace? Yeah. Bless him. Yeah. Bless him. Bless well, his
2: heart. I think this is got to be the most embarrassing moment probably right behind the corinthians forgetting the gospel here here's an embarrassing moment (laughs) when you're interrupted by god you know you're talking while he was still speaking about shelters and it's good for us to be here with two dead guys (laughs) a bright cloud enveloped them and a voice from the cloud said this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased." Now I wanna stop right there and if allow me to a one minute sermon. You remember where this was said before?
1: Yep, Jesus' baptism. Yeah,
2: when yep. we went from the water to the wilderness, Jesus was baptized and he was declared to be the Son of God. The Holy Spirit came on him and Jesus said those three things. I've, I've preached that many times that God says the same thing. The difference here is the next line. And I think in your sermon, Sunday, Phil, when you said we spent all this time figuring out who Jesus is. And now we have we have another level of, of deeper understanding of who God is. And he he adds this phrase, listen to it. Because it's one thing to recognize, okay, that Jesus could be the son of God, and as you search, you're like, oh, listen to him. I mean, that was what was happening here. So think about what the resurrection accomplished in trying to figure out, is there a God? Who is he? What does he want from me? Well, When you understand who Jesus is, you understand who God is, and when you listen to him, Things are going to change in your life for the better. I mean, that's what You're,
0: I, I believe. You are correct. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing.
2: Yeah. Listen well, to, hear, to him. you
0: got to listen. Romans 10. To him.
3: Yeah. And, and, and in this moment, I, I love this. As you mentioned, where do we hear this before? We, we heard that first part. This is my son whom I'm well pleased. Whatever Jesus was baptized Listen to him. And then he, I love this next line because it's kind of scary, but he said. But it, it, I think it makes sense when you think about the totality of what he's saying here. When the disciples heard this, you, you say, what, what, what did they do when they heard this? That's what they did. They fell face down to the ground and were terrified. Yep. And I, I think so often we think of Jesus as this cosmic bellhop. We think of him petting the lamb. We think of him with the kids around him. Yeah, and and that's certainly part of what Jesus chose to be but i mean in this moment in this transfiguration Jesus has t- taken on a an appearance uh, that that is almost a foretaste of of glory divine it's a foretaste of what the what the resurrected Jesus is going to be it, it's it's a it's a terrifying thing to see to see him when it's it's when when Paul saw him in Acts uh what was Acts 9 on the road to Damascus it says he fell to the ground Paul did Thought Paul felt and in, and in Revelation chapter one, it says, when I this is John on the Isle of Patmos, says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And what I love about all three of these passages, Matthew 17, Acts 9, and Revelation 1 is that God, Jesus doesn't leave us in our terrified fear. And each and in re- revelation one, he says, and he placed his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first, the last, I am the living, uh, I am the living one, I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I hold the keys of Hades and death. And in the transfiguration, when it says they fell on their face and they were terrified, look what Jesus did. He came to them and he touched them. Jesus touched them and he said, get up, don't be afraid. And they lifted up their eyes and they saw no one but Jesus Himself. i thinking,
2: which That's what, God. Well, how ironic is that that they were that terrified, which I came up with a formula because a lot of people have trouble understanding this. Because they're like, Well, how could they be so fearful in that moment? Because the number one phrase in the Bible is don't be afraid. But fear God is like number
0: five. Fear God it, it, and then what what John uh, Matthew recorded is terrifying. So, here's what, yeah, here's what I think.
2: I think when they realize, just think about this, you have two people who were here hundreds of years before they were here have now showed up, and they figured that out. We have this bright light going on, and now all of a sudden, God the Father is speaking, and they get it, that this is – There is a God, and he is actually speaking, and we have people who supposedly we thought were dead having a conversation.
0: Well, then you know what? The ultimate lesson is don't mess with him.
2: Well, and I think they also (laughs) realize that, you know what? He knows me way better than I thought, and there's no escaping him even if I die well that causes sheer terror because you're you feel that you can't feel any smaller
0: in that moment than if he was like, kind of uh, whispering uh it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living god
2: all right but then the don't be afraid is the part of but here's God in this moment through Jesus, who you're supposed to listen to, who just told me to get up, is he's all good. He's for me. We know the grace is coming. He's not going to make a mistake. He's 100% just. He's fair. I mean, so I think that's the way this thing works is that, yeah, God knows us and that causes us to fear because we're flawed and we make mistakes but what gives us comfort and confidence is that we know him and he's all righteous all holy he's fair he's going to do what's right and I think
0: that's that's a point he was trying to make which, which explains fully uh, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see well they're there on that mountain and, and they're certain of what they're looking at you, you see what I'm saying Exactly, And they're giving us the story, and they said, check this out. Uh, you, you may not see him, but this is what he looks like if he wants to, that mm-hmm. transfiguration. You're like, okay, one thing comes out of that. Don't be messing with him at all.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, so let's take our last break. Um, I think there's a practical measure too, Jay. You mentioned earlier when you, we started into this that a lot of scholars are like, You know, not exactly understanding why this happened, when it happened, but to me it's very clear. You mentioned before when the first time that God spoke when Jesus was baptized, remember the disciple, he hadn't gotten the disciples yet. So, I mean, John the Baptist saw what happened, but these guys didn't. And they had only heard about it because, you know, then he goes out and he calls these guys. So, this is a reaffirmation to the disciples of who Jesus is. And that's why I think he adds that last phrase, listen to him, because for the first time, he's just told them what he's got to do. And now they're visually seeing that he really is the son of God. And he has the power to conjure back from the great beyond two of the most historic figures in Israel's history. So, I mean, just from a practical measure, it makes perfect sense in the context of the, of where Moses puts this, of why this happened when it happened. By
0: Mm -hmm. the way, when the law was given uh, at Mount Sinai, it was similar to this. When the people That's saw correct. the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet, <laughs> you can imagine the, 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 the God-blown tur- uh, trumpet, he, they, they heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke. They trembled with feared, fear, and they stayed at a distance, and they said to Moses, Speak to us, you got to remember, listen to him. Speak to us yourself, and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us, or we will die. I mean, it was <laughs> vengeance. The law of Moses had been given. And uh, he said to the people, Don't be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will keep you from sinning. Pretty interesting.
4: Yeah, Yeah. That's what I was going to say is like, I think every time in the Bible when God shows up in some kind of physical form, everybody's face goes to the ground. I think maybe you can sense uh, how sinless and perfect he is and your own kind of shows your brokenness. And Mm -hmm. it's like, that's why it says every knee will bow. I mean, you can't help but go down because you're like, whoa. That's
3: right. Yeah, because we're undone. That's, I love that. I think that's yeah. the point. I think that the point here is you got you got Moses and Elijah. Moses is representation of the law. Elijah's representation of the prophets, and yep. they all kind of coming to this point where the whole thing is wrapped up in the person of Jesus. He said, "Well, what's the practical point of that?" Is what Jeff just said that you're undone. I think you got no, you bring nothing. To the table, and I think the fear—you can get out these of here. Guys are,
0: you can get out of here alive. Listen to him.
3: Yeah, and and and, but but in that moment though, Phil, I mean, you know, you're looking at the at this glorious being, and you're like, whoa, uh oh. Any attempt that I thought, any any shelter I thought I had, it whatever it is, I, I'm done. And I, and I think so many times we think, when we think, well, Jesus comes back, we're just going to run to Jesus. And I think what's going to happen, honestly, when Jesus comes back, I think the first thing we're all going to do, I think everybody is going to hit the deck and be like, uh-oh. Yep. I think no there'll be a moment. I, I agree with that. There's going to be a moment where we're all like, whoa, oh, oh my goodness. He's, he's way better than I thought, and I'm way worse than I thought. and I, But I think what, if you're in Christ, and the beauty of this whole thing is he's going to touch you. He's going to put his hand on your shoulder. And just what he did every time he said, don't be afraid. I got. And this. look, Zach,
1: that's a difference in the two covenants, because dad painted the picture. They couldn't touch the mountain or they would die. Right. So not only did they not get touched, they couldn't even touch the mountain where the presence of God was. And yet what you're describing in those texts you uh, read was that Jesus is touching us. That's the difference in the first covenant. Of law and the second covenant of fulfillment of law in Jesus. Well, that's I mean, that's, Paul,
3: the that's, that's Paul's point in 2 Corinthians three, which references what Phil was talking about when Moses went and met with God, and you know Moses would come down and he was radiating the glory of God because it got so glorious. But then it says, but, right. "But I love this." Verse eleven says, "For if that which fades away with glory was much more than than what which remains in his glory, therefore having such a hope." We use great boldness in our speech, and we are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. But their minds were hardened until this very day at the reading of the Old Covenant. To your point, Al, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts, But whenever a person turns to the Lord, I love this, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. I love that.
2: Great. That's powerful. You raising your hand, Jeff? uh, Yeah, I'm raising my hand because, look, You think about what the old law, how much material that he gave them. I mean, we got whole books in the Old Testament that was written. Mm -hmm. And here we go. You start in John 1 where it says uh, Moses brought us the law and, where's that, John 1? Jesus
0: came full of grace and truth. Grace and truth.
2: And here he says, look, here's the foundation for the church is that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, which he's already announced that when he said this is my son when he's baptized, who I love and I'm well pleased. And so all those laws and all those books and all those history and even think about modern day all the churches and the programs and the creed and the sermons and and just all these scholars putting all these commentaries and material, and God gives a three-word sermon. Three words. Listen to him. Listen to him, man. I mean, I'm like, you wanna, you wanna grow a church, you wanna put some spark in your church, you know. And we we've, we've all been to churches where you walk in and you think, oh, who died here? I mean, frozen chosen. Yeah we, I, I got a news flash. He came back. Yeah, we've got the death part because this place is dead. He came back. So I just, I think that's why I go around to people. And, uh, you know, a lot of what I say in my speeches always make people uncomfortable because I I say, quit, quit stop listening to the preacher. I'm not trying to get you to go to church. I don't want you to listen to the preacher where well, the preacher's looking around like, what are you, what are you talking about? And I get it from right here, because the building block of the church, the rock that we're built on, that Jesus is the Son of God, and He said, You listen to him. I mean, that's where we get our material. And that's why I always say you gotta focus on Jesus and what he said. Cause you have it in somebody put it in red letters. And that should be unadulterated the focus and mission of our of our church home basis across the world. Well said. So yeah.
1: let me cl- let me close it out by reading these last uh, four verses. Uh, as they were coming down the mountain, verse 9, Jesus said, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. So he goes back to the resurrection, Dad. Yep. Then he says, The disciples asked him, Why then did the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure. Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him but have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood he was talking about John the Baptist. So I thought it's a perfect ending because it goes back to where we began in that what Jesus was going to have to do is what he reminds them of again. That was the point of the whole exercise. You betcha. Which is powerful. Uh, Thanks, Jeff, for being here. Uh, Jeff's got to do some cooking tomorrow, so he won't be back with me, but uh, we'll be back and uh, try it again next time. Bye, Jeff.